major heart issues and a major recall for a fad diet pill takes another bad turn when three unscrupulous attorneys from Kentucky decide to defraud people in a class action lawsuit. Let's take a look at the FinFin scam attorneys from Kentucky today on Thought Crime. everyone keto and crime keto of uh, thought crime with the keto comic here going over a white collar crime case to kind of cleanse our palates from the last few murder cases and i have a buddy here with me who is feeling very needy this is wild i know you've met her before she's wild the crime cat she is cool so she just climbed up here to film my intro with me so i thought you guys might enjoy that i'm a real person i got family and pets and Weird idiosyncrasies, just like everyone else. But today, we're going to be going over the FinFin scam. For those of you that were in their teens and 20s and the 90s, like me, you may remember the diet pills Redux and FinFin. Huge scandals, made a lot of people sick. And today, we're going to delve into that just a little bit. But mainly, we're going to look at a late 1990s case in Kentucky where... The law, three lawyers exploited this for their own financial gain, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The Kentucky FinFin attorneys. Let's get into it. I had to send Wild on her way for just a few minutes. She gave me a look that was like, check your shoes before you put it on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get it later on. Cats, man. They're worse than a woman scorned, if you know what I mean. But um, let's get into it. First of all, what was FinFin? Now, Redux was a separate diet pill that came out around this time, put out by the same company. We're not really going to touch on Redux since the scandal we're talking about kind of revolves around FinFin. So all of this information relates to FinFin only. But uh, FinFin was the call name for a drug manufactured by Wyeth Pharma, also known as American Home Products, for a drug, a diet drug, that used the chemical compounds phenylfluramine and fentramine. And they were both anorexics, which means, as you can gauge by the name, being using uh, anorexia as the uh, root word, it's a, an appetite suppressant. And both of them work in very different ways. <clears throat> they both work on the neuro in the neuro world on, on neurochemicals and the synapse in the brain and the in the spinal column but phenylfluramine basically worked on basis of serotonin whereas fentermin works on enef on the compounds of epinephrine now fentermin is still widely used um, in medicines today for everything from anti-inflammation to appetite suppressant to energy and it has been determined so far not to cause any ill effects. However, phenylfluramine, the first fin in FinFin, uh, was determined to be the culprit. At first, they thought that the problem might be that it was just a, that both drugs were safe on their own. 
but then when you combined them, that was the death nail. However, that did not turn out to be the case. It was determined that phenylfluramine was the culprit all along. But unfortunately, by the time they realized that, some people got very, very sick. So let's talk about it. In the 1970s, the combined drug of FinFin was first launched for mass distribution. It was huge in Europe and then later on spread to the United States in, 1980, in, in the late 70s, early 80s because of a 1984 study that said that the short-term weight loss effects that you could get from each FIN separately could be extended and made more permanent if you combine them. And that was a 1984 study that said that, which allowed it to be approved by the FDA in the U.S. for widespread distribution. So you had millions of prescriptions being written. This was the uh, weight loss fad of its day. Um, it was way before even like the fat blockers. Remember the fat blockers that people would take and then have accidents because they ate too much fat? So there's always been kind of a, a fad toward weight loss uh, of the day. And a lot of them have revolved around pills, whereas the time-honored tradition is just changing your lifestyle. Eating better, moving more, that's the key. I choose to eat keto, though I'm not eating a whole lot of keto anymore. Um, I'm going to get back to that, and I will document my, my next journey on that, but for the most part, because keto for me keeps me from having cravings, but it all revolves around eating more healthily and moving more. Well, both of these products on their own gave short-term weight loss success, but after you stopped taking them, you went right back to your old ways of eating. Well, when they combined them, they started, Wythe started, and American Home Products started marketing it as a lifestyle drug. This is something you could take long-term and keep your healthy lifestyle. Most people, however, weren't really eating any differently. They were just eating less, so they had to stay on the drug to maintain their weight loss results. You had people losing like 90 pounds in less than six months, and that, that was a female and an older female, so I read a lot of the case studies, whereas normally older females, metabolism slow down a huge extent in that age, and so they don't lose that much, but that was a late 40s female that lost 90 pounds in six months without a huge amount of exercise. You had men dropping 100 pounds in the same time frame, so so you had people from all ages. You had 18-year-olds taking this all the way up to 60-year-olds to maintain their weight, and it became more of a lifestyle drug. Everything was fine and dandy. Uh, Wythe made billions. They made close to estimates of around $200 billion off this drug between Europe and the United States and certain parts of South America, Canada, where it was marketed. And everything was fine and dandy until the early 1990s when you had some people in Europe, several European cities, get sick. They started having heart palpitations, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, and they started going to see their doctors who would refer them to cardiologists upon listening to their heart, discovered they might have a murmur or a flutter. Well, they started being diagnosed with a rare heart condition called pulmonary hypertension. It works on the heart valves and basically overworks them strains them. That's the reason they would feel the flutter. It would overwork their heart. And the symptoms are nausea, shortness of breath, chest pain, and just that fluttering sensation, sweats, the whole nine yards. And it doesn't reverse. Some cardiovascular disease is reversible with diet and exercise. 
this wasn't. So once you had the damage to the valve that this caused, it, it caused your blood pressure to basically skyrocket, destroy your valves. Um, there's no going back. The only, the only treatment is to manage the symptoms until your heart becomes so weak that you die or to get a valve replacement. So that's it. That's it. And so people in Europe started experiencing these symptoms and they started talking to them, taking their histories. And a few doctors who were talking to each other managed to put together that they all had one thing in common. They were taking FinFin. So Europe started to put some heavy bans on it, but unfortunately that didn't carry over into the United States. And you had people in the United States taking it until the late 90s and then 1996 you had a boston a 20 year old in boston that came down with pulmonary hypertension and died in 1997. after that people started taking a closer look and it was determined that it was causing the same kind of damage here because of course why wouldn't it and then you started having thousands into the millions of people being diagnosed with varying stages of pulmonary hypertension. So you had people that they, it had just started, that once they stopped the drug, they were able to stop any huge damage. So they were able to live relatively normal life to people that needed valve transplants just to survive an, another month or two. So you had varying cases. In fact, one gentleman said that because insurance would not pay for the drug. Most insurance won't pay for weight loss drugs unless you're morbidly obese. He couldn't afford it. So to save himself money, he started cutting his pills in half and he would make a 30 day supply last 60 days. And he, his doctor told him that's probably what saved his life. And he only had a mild form of this and he was able to live normally for the rest of his life just by adjusting diet and taking medications. So, he saved his life by cutting his dosage, but because it was a lifestyle drug, people got immune to it, and so people would take more and more. There were no specifications of how to dose it other than just give more over a long period of time, so you had people upping their dosage and staying on it longer and longer, so you had a lot of heart damage going on. And post-1997 was a bad time for Wife Pharma and American Home Products. They got sued 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 it was banned it was finally removed from the markets here in the u.s and europe and finally in you had all these single lawsuits coming in with people suing them for their medical bills and lost income and also punitive because when you've got a heart condition like that working's very hard even after a valve transplant you're not going to be quite the same so if you do a job that's more physically intensive, you're not going to be able to do that. So you had a lot of people that had to get enough money to live for the rest of their life because they're going to have reduced income. So you had a lot of little single cases going on. And finally, the nonprofit Association of Trial Lawyers in 2005 put together a national uh, class action lawsuit against the makers of FinFin. Now, they served millions of people with this lawsuit and People, once the settlement came in, this settlement was into the billions. Once this settlement came in, they took their millions of clients and kind of put them on a ascending order of how sick they were based on how many, how much damage they had res resulted from FinFin. So you had people getting average 
5000 to $200,000. Well, a lot of people weren't satisfied with that because they realized in a class action lawsuit, no one wins but the attorneys. No one wins but the lawyers because they take 33.3% from the loss, from the, the judgment off the top. Then they take their expenses and then whatever's left gets divided among sometimes millions of people for on a kind of prorated scale of how bad their damages were. So no one wins in a class action lawsuit except the lawyers. Be wary of that. Now, so you might get letters all the time or emails about class action lawsuits. Be wary of that. You're probably going to end up with 10 bucks. So, you know. So this this lawsuit settled for somewhere, I've seen different estimates of somewhere between 14 and 21 billion. Most of that went to the lawyers or the association of trial lawyers in America. So a lot of people were not satisfied with that. So now you had Kentucky where you had three lawyers that decided to go a different route. Three lawyers spread amongst Louisville, Lexington, and Covington, Kentucky, by the names of William Gallen. For those of you watching on video, pictured here at the bottom right. Shirley Cunningham, Jr., pictured here, bottom left. And Melbourne Mills, Jr., pictured bottom middle, had between them 440 clients that were that had come to them because of heart damage, heart valve damage related to FinFin use. So their first inclination was to throw them in, to join and throw them in with the national lawsuit. But them being lawyers, knowing that this huge million person lawsuit was not going to net a whole lot for clients and for them because they would have to share their 33.3% with other attorneys wasn't that good. So they came up with the clever idea of doing their own separate lawsuit for their 440 patients in a smaller class action lawsuit, regional class action lawsuit. And among these people, they all had varying degrees of heart damage, but Mills provided well over 250 of the clients. So he had the lion's share and the other two brought in the clients to make up the other hundred or so. Now, just like any standard class action lawsuit, and, and I can speak to this because I've been a part of an individual lawsuit. I was, when I was still a independent contractor courier, I was hit. I was sitting in traffic. I was hit from behind by a state of Tennessee social worker in a state of Tennessee vehicle. My car was totaled. My back got messed up just a little bit. So their insurance was not, was kind of jerking me around about even getting my car fixed. So I ended up having to go to one of those ambulance chasing attorneys in Nashville who turned out to be a, a pretty great guy. I mean, he took care of me and signed him up to deal with the insurance company for me. Just like any personal injury suit or class action suit, the, he asked for 33.3% solid one-third of the settlement as payment for his services plus his expenses. So that is what they were entitled to from this settlement, 33.3%. Now, Mills was an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic, and spent most of his time drunk. 
uh, everyone would say in his law office that he was sometimes drunk by 10.30 a.m. So basically with him, he kind of took a back seat to this and let Cunningham and Galleon kind of run the suit. And so what happened was they finally settled with FinFin and FinFin's liability insurance for somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million. Now this was going to be spread after they take their 33.3% plus expenses off the top amongst 440 patients in a varying sliding scale. However, what Cunningham and Galleon did, and I'm still not so sure Mills didn't know about it, but this is how it eventually turned out. They actually told Mills that the settlement was only $150 million. So they sent a chunk of money to him. Remember, he provided over 250 of the clients. They sent him his cut of a reduced amount to spread among his clients. They took the rest. But instead of only taking 33.3% plus expenses, which would have netted them about $66 million plus their expensive, which if you divide it among the three lawyers, that's $20 million. Plus, they're getting their expenses, so that's profit. But they ended up keeping about 75%, some estimates say 90 but 75% of the settlement for themselves. Now, Mills knew about that. I don't care what you say. He might not have known that the full settlement was $200 million, but he definitely knew he was keeping more than, you know, 33.3% in expenses. So you had people starting to wonder when they were asked to come in, saying the case had settled. They sealed all the records. They never let anyone see how much the actual settlement was for. They told every client basically a different number, and they would present them with a cut that was drastically reduced from what they should have should have been got, uh, sent. One lady that's damages should have been somewhere in the neighborhood of $225,000 because she can no longer work. She was offered $75,000, $75,000, and she had to retire early because she could no longer do her job as a nurse because of the physical activity. Yeah, so you had people that weren't real happy, and a lot of them were complaining that they would go to the attorney's office to sign the release and get their check and they wouldn't even be able to talk to the actual attorney big attorney they would have to talk to an associate that's not so unusual when i settled i only talked with my attorney one time everything else was handled by an associate who did a great job and the associates who i talked to and i picked up my check and I, I i got i didn't get rich off that by any means i got about i got my car fixed and i got about fifteen hundred dollars for lost wages and stuff but after he took his cut but, um, so that's not so unusual, but what was unusual is the way that they were spoken to. I could tell everyone about my settlement. No problem. There was no NDA. They were told that they could not tell anyone if anyone found out about how much they received or how much the settlement was for. They were all told a different number than American Home Products and Y Pharma could come back and sue them or even have them arrested and thrown in jail. That's not normal. That's not true. But they did that to simply keep the settlement out of the public eye so that people wouldn't know that they were scamming these people. Now, that didn't sit 
well with some people. You finally had some people that did mention their settlements to their spouses and other people, and they said, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right at all. All along, these attorneys who ended up taking, you know, probably a $50 million cut each were going to the Kentucky Derby. They were buying houses. They were flaunting their wealth in the faces of people that were now permanently disabled that had gotten a penance compared to what they should have gotten. One woman that had been in the hospital with a valve replacement for six weeks got $24,000. That doesn't even touch the medical bills, not to mention living expenses, medicine. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. So finally, you had some people, some of these clients go to another attorney and ask advice on what to do. She started to poke around a little bit. She got no help from these attorneys. In fact, the associates and, the, and paralegals in these attorneys' offices were told to start shredding documents relating to this case. Finally, when the heat turned up, these attorneys actually all of a sudden dumped money from their personal accounts to the tune of about $60 million. Now, this was mainly Shirley Curlingham and Gallion dumped $60 million back into the settlement fund, went to a judge and said, hey, we held some money in reserve because we were, were scared that people would, that more people would come forward. Now, that's BS. In a class action lawsuit, the company pays a certain amount of money to settle claims of a whole list of clients. So if any more had come forward, they would have to file a separate claim. That There was no need to hold any money in escrow. So that was a lie. But that's what they said, that they had kept $60 million in reserve. And they went to a judge and told him and said, we'd like permission to do a second disbursement to our clients. Of course, the judge says yes, but he questioned it and actually put some investigators on it. This is when the district attorneys got involved. So you had these clients getting called back into the attorney's offices and offered another settlement somewhere between $5,000 and $10,000 is what these people were offered. But the contract they signed had a stipulation that they would like to hold some of the money for a charitable organization called the Kentucky Association for Healthful Living to help people with general health problems. Now, some of the patients were fine with this. Others questioned it. They're like, how much are you holding back? And they were always told, we're holding back just a very little. It's not going to make more than $20 difference in anybody's settlement. Turns out they withheld $20 million from that additional $60 million. So they only returned $40 million back to their clients. And they kept that $20 million in this fake Nonprofit, and all three of them took a salary from it, $5,000 a month plus expense accounts, just flaunting it in the faces of everyone. Well, finally, the district attorney investigated it. It all came unraveled, and by 2001, all of them were charged with fraud, insurance fraud, wire fraud, and basically fraud when relating to legal services. 2001, in the Boone County Circuit Court, a civil case was filed also against the three attorneys, and the first to go on trial was Mills. He was both put in front of the federal prosecutor and the civil suit, but his defense was that he was drunk this entire time and had no idea that this was going on. 
Maybe he didn't know that it was a $200 million settlement instead of 150 but I believe he knew full well they were getting way too much money from this case. However, as this next clip will show, he walked on the basis of that defense. Seven-year-old Melbourne Mills walked out of the Boone County Jail at noon Tuesday a free man. At his side was his girlfriend of eight years, Darlene Law. We got the greatest court system in the world. This is the greatest country in the world with the greatest court system. I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Shortly after the verdict was read in Covington, Law cried tears of joy at the end of an 11-month ordeal. I knew all along he wasn't guilty. I supported him every, every way, every step. I, I just knew he wasn't guilty. Lexington attorney Jim Shuffett defended Mills during the two-month trial. Very pleased. Very pleased and uh, I think the jury did the right thing. Shuffett acknowledged that the eyes of the legal world were on the case of Mills plus co-defendants Shirley Cunningham and William Gallion. Yet he said the legal profession was not on trial. We know that uh, a lot of people don't like lawyers. That was one of the worst problems we had in this case. And uh, that's why the judge's wisdom in letting us have the questionnaire was very important, where we could pick out those who did not like lawyers. The case took a number of strange twists, including having noted attorney Stan Chesley testify. Shuffett said that Chesley's testimony was probably the most vivid and damaging that prosecutors presented. Well, there were a whole lot of areas, but everything that Mr. Gallion thought he was doing right, Mr. Chesley said he was doing wrong. So that's where they're hung up. Now, Next came up Cunningham and Gallion. They didn't fare so well. All three attorneys had a judgment against them from the civil suit to return all the money they had stolen right at $95 million of this $200 million lawsuit from their clients. They were ordered to return that to the client fund for their lawsuit. They also had to pay an additional 10 or 20 million for punitive damages all into the victim's fund to be paid back to the victims. You had Mills freed on an iffy defense by the, his criminal case and then you had a second criminal case go all the way up to U.S. District Court on appeals for Cunningham and Gallion who didn't fare so well. They were sentenced to 25 years and 20 years respectively. Gallion 25 Cunningham 20 in federal prison. That's where they sit today. And they were also ordered to pay $127 million to their victims in addition to this civil suit and $30 million to the government. So what the result is, they're in prison. All three of them are bankrupt. Uh, they said that a few of them even had to hire public defenders to take on their appeals because they didn't have money. They're now destitute. So yeah, everything was seized and sold and used to pay back as much as they could to those victims. And the victims did get an additional distribution from that fund, although they didn't get the full amount because once they sold everything, it didn't quite come to that, but it was a good start. And the victims each got an additional distribution. So I can only hope they were made as whole as they could be. And there you have it, the Kentucky Fin Fin attorney scam. They took an already bad situation with a drug that was hurting people and made it even worse. Greed will do funny things to you, won't it? Anyway, that's the story. That's what I'm sticking to, and I hope you enjoyed it. 
like, comment, share, subscribe. Um, as you know, this is pretty much a self-funded channel because true crime is heavily demonetized. So if you do have a few bucks and enjoy what I do, you can find my Patreon, my Cash App, my PayPal, everything down below. Even a dollar goes a long way. I put everything back into the channel. I, ha I have two day jobs that I maintain, a full and a part time to pay my own bills. But anything that you guys give me go back into improving the channel with better software, better cameras, perhaps travel to get to places to actually film if I can get to crime scenes and stuff like that. So always appreciated, never required. I thank you so much. Like, comment, share, subscribe is the main thing. Get me in that algorithm. Thank you so much. Keto Comic, out.